I am thrilled to announce that Enactor Despairs is partnering with a wonderful CBD company called Kind Farms. Everyone out there has heard of CBD. I started taking it a few years ago when I first started getting sober and to help with my anxiety. Sadly, as one can do, I was overtraining in the gym, and a friend recommended a topical and a tincture to help with the pain. I tried it. It was okay. However, recently, I was introduced to a product that has really changed my life. Not only has it helped me with anxiety, but I am stronger than I have ever been. I'm able to carry out lifts my body used to prevent me from doing. Kind Farm products have single-handedly changed my life athletically and personally. They utilize 100% local licensed farmers, organic cultivation, and CO2 extraction for superior CBD. Kind Farms is turning CBD to a kind alternative to pharmaceuticals. Let's transform tobacco row into hemp row. If you want to get involved, please reach out. Together, we can make a difference. You can use my code RYAN10 for 10% off. You can find them on Instagram at Kind Farms Inc. All one word. That's K-I-N-D-P-H-A-R-M-S-I-N-C. And their website is kindfarmsinc.com. Once again, my code for 10% off is Ryan10. And now, let's get started with today's show. Welcome to An Actor Despairs. I'm your host, Ryan Perez. Today, ladies and gentlemen, we have Elizabeth Marvel. You know her from Burn After Reading, True Grit, House of Cards, Homeland, and too many other projects to name. She's someone who changed my life and, and kept me from dying. And you'll understand what I mean by that when you listen to this episode. She's an artist through and through and inspires me so much. I got so much love for you, Elizabeth. Here it is. Elizabeth Marvel, welcome to An Actor Despairs. How are you doing? Doing great, thanks. It's it's great to be here with you. I, you know, I, I have to tell you this because you've changed my life without even knowing me. I... <laughs> I was in a really, really, really dark place. I, I discovered you in Burn After Reading, and I, I just I loved your energy and your presence. And, you know, I've talked about this with Glenn Fleshler and David Costable. You just oh. have magnetic stillness that you're just like, like watching you. I feel like it's, it's just, it's poetry. And <laughs> in 2000, you know, I think it was like 2015 was like when you were doing, I think, both House of Cards and Homeland, or it just finished House of Cards. Uh huh. And but, yep. Yeah, but I was uh, I'm 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 in recovery, and I, I'm an actor, as I told you as well. And mm-hmm. I was just in such a dark place with my consumption, and I was going to one on one, if you know what that is, and you know it's like a pay for play to meet casting directors mm-hmm. or agents, and you know the the feedback I'd always get is you're great, but tell me when you're in something. And I just kind of would like leave and, and drink. Cause I was just like, I'm never going to, I'm never going to get anywhere. And watching you work changed my life. Like you're one of the greatest actresses in the world. <laughs> and I mean Gosh. that with every word of sincerity, like, utter relaxation and total <laughs> complete embodiment of whatever respective character. It's know. all a mirage. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's true. It's great. But we're here to celebrate you today. And I, I want to learn more about you. I did a little, little dive. So you, you were born in LA and then grew up in Pennsylvania. That's right. Mm-hmm. How was that? 
Were you in LA for a bit or no? No, 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 no. We moved when I was two. So no, I, I, although we always returned every summer to California. So I hold roots. Exactly. Exactly. Grandparents. Um, So I've been, I, I have swam in that ocean every summer of my life. Uh, And I have a deep love of California. Um, But, but yeah, I grew up in Pennsylvania in the woods, in the country, wow. uh, in a really small... West, West Coast or East Coast? No, Eastern. Okay. Southeastern Pennsylvania uh, in a very, very tiny, tiny rural town, um, which was awesome to grow up in and then awesome to leave. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have deep gratitude for growing up in the woods in the country, uh, but it was good that I got out when I was a young person. Because yeah. I think I could have really had a rough go, yeah, as a young adult there. Yeah, well, I mean, you're. I'm so curious because it, you just are so great. Were, were your parents artists? Were no, you- no. My my father was a salesman, uh, and my mom was a homemaker, and she did a ton of volunteer work. So I have very early memories of being taken to uh, vets' homes and very elderly people's homes with Meals on Wheels. Yeah. She did that a lot. And I remember being very little and sitting on the floor, you know, next to someone's wheelchair and holding their hand and, uh, you know, just learning, like just sort of physically sitting by people is a, a great act of service. Totally airports are, are my place to do. Oh, yeah. 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 That's amazing. Sure. So, so talk to me. I mean, obviously having that kind of, uh, you know, experience of, of, uh, I, I'm sure a multitude of characters, where did the acting bug bite you and when? You know, it, it, it was quite, I am very much an accidental actor. No. Yes. You're, I, um, I, I always find this pretentious, but acting found you. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. I think that's right. I, I was always a visual arts person. That was my focus and my Painting interest. Uh, yes. Uh, no, it was mainly um, metalwork, fiber, ceramics. Um, that was my great interest for a period of time when I was a very young person. Yeah. I started taking you know, still life drawing classes when I was like six. My mom took me to the Art Students League yeah. where I lived very young. So uh, that was always sort of where I thought I was going. Uh, my dream was to go to Cooper Union or RISD. Oh, and, but I, uh, I, and I went to a boarding school for the arts and I studied high school. arts. Mm-hmm. Where um, Involved. It was in Interlock and Arts Academy, and uh, art was my major. And I, uh, I got in a little bit of trouble there, <laughs> oh, which I won't go into. But uh, oh, I'm I, so curious. We'll talk. We'll get lunch one day. <laughs> very good. Um, but I, long story short, is I never finished my portfolio, and uh, and then and also really did not like school. So when I f- sort of completed high school, more or less, uh, I did not have my art portfolio to submit. And uh, I ended up following the Grateful Dead for a while and kind of bumming around. And then I <laughs> I landed. You're a deadhead? Oh, yes. Oh. Yes, I am. I love um, 
<laughs> and then I, uh, I landed in London and I, by a my mother was living in Sicily and lots of things happened. And wow. I ended up seeing uh, a play that was one of those lightning bolt moments. You know, I'd seen, do you, do you it was a touch of the poet by Eugene O'Neill. Oh yeah. And I saw Vanessa Redgrave in it. Wow. And I was like, whatever she's doing is really interesting. And I want to learn about that. Yeah. And uh, my high school had been a feeder school to Juilliard with music and dance. So I had heard of Juilliard and I knew they had no academics, that it was the only conservatory in the States. So uh, I flew back and I auditioned. In New York? In New York. And uh, they almost didn't even let me audition because like I knew, I knew nothing. (laughs) I knew nothing. I'd done one play in my life in high school and I didn't enjoy the experience. And um, so I was total blank slate and I didn't prepare a Shakespearean model. (laughs) As someone who's done the Juilliard audition twice, explain this because like (laughs) even Glenn Fleshler and David Costable, we talk about grad school for you. Uh That would have been technically undergrad. It was under, yeah, it was, it was my college experience. So, so talk to me about it. So you, you know, for, for the non-actors listening, you have to usually get two contemporary pieces. Well, one classical, one contemporary. Well, now it's two. They, so they make you do four. Oh, yeah. Oh. Yeah. That's not nice. No. Um, well, apparently yeah, every well, year, Juilliard's like, depending upon who wins the Academy Award that year, uh-huh. like, they're like, I know for sure, because I auditioned when you were on House of Cards and people there were talking about you that like when someone who is an alumni, the audition rates are up to like 5,000 sometimes for 16 spots. Wow. Yeah. No, it's bananas. It's bananas. So I... Uh, I had to prepare a classical and a contemporary piece. I didn't really know what that meant. So I went to like Barnes and Noble and bought a book of monologues. And uh, I thought Oscar Wilde counted as as classical. (laughs) Um, I totally like, I just didn't, I didn't get it. Um, So I prepared a piece from Importance of Being Earnest. And I prepared a piece from Strange Interlude, which is a very obscure Eugene Eugene O'Neill play. Um, And... I think that's why they let me go and let me get away with not having Shakespeare because they were so struck that I had chosen a piece from Strange Interlude. (laughs) Um, Yeah. And then, uh, so uh, I went there and that was my experience and um you, you got in on the first try i didn't i i was waitlisted ah. i was waitlisted and jennifer ely who became a friend yeah um had the slot and she gave it up to go to central i think in london because oh, yeah. her mom was there and um i know and uh, so and old vic and all those schools are just as alluring you know yeah absolutely and her mom's rosemary harris so her family was in London, um, and she wanted to go there, so uh, so I took her slot. What group number were you? Twenty one. Wow. So was that was that Dallas Roberts then? No, no. It was me, Michael Stuhlbarg, Michael Hayden, Enid wow. Graham. Yeah, yeah. It was uh, all some of the finest talent in the world. <laughs> awesome. It was awesome. It was funny though because uh, my class was wonderful. They were they were awesome, but I was definitely 
you know, one of these things is not like the others in my class. Um, I think the, the great thing about being an artist is like, there's nothing whatsoever wrong with sucking at something to get good at it. You know what I mean? Like, oh, I, I live I, by that. <laughs> yeah. Like I tried playing the piano and it came out and I was like, I got no rhythm, no timing, but I worked at it. <laughs> yes. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And my, my class definitely were all far more experienced than me. Um, but also their, their interests were very different than mine as a collective. And it's, um, I bet their experience was different than you coming from visual very. arts, you know? Yeah. And yeah. being on tour with the Grateful Dead, <laughs> like yeah. my head was in a very different place. And, and I immediately gravitated downtown to the Worcester group and La Mama and everything that was happening downtown. And my, I was definitely alone in that. My class was very uh, much about, my class was very musical, like ridiculously talented in musical theater. And so there was a real focus on musical theater, which was amazing, yeah. but it just wasn't my thing. Yeah. I, I loved being around it though, but I, I didn't, I couldn't really participate that much. And I was sort of in a very, I was very deeply into Martha Clark and what she was doing. And I started working a lot with the dance department and- Were these in the, the cut days? Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, so you, yeah. I know what that's like. I mean, they got rid of it, thankfully, but. But not when I was there. But, yeah. you know, I, I was, I wore it so loosely. Like I, I found it all so fun. And like, I, I think the reason why I su survived so well there was because I never really understood what a big deal it was. I didn't really get it, you know? And so I didn't take it. I, I mean, I worked hard and I did yeah. take it seriously, but it, I didn't. Uh, take it as seriously as I think I was supposed to. Um, I think that's that's amazing. I'm not saying anyone take it not serious, but like, you know, it's just like being on a date with someone. And, and if you're kind of not as like, oh my God, you, you end up doing better. You might enjoy yourself while you're doing it. Yeah, yeah. So, so I used it for what I could get out of it. And I learned a massive amount but I also, you know, left what wasn't useful. And I didn't, um, you know, I remember in my fourth year, like everybody, all, especially the women, all started to drop weight like a wrestling team. Oh, you know, it was joking. nuts. It was nuts. Yeah. And everyone was bleaching their teeth and changing their hair. And, uh, you know, I, I wasn't. <laughs> Because totally. I, I was just this little funky dirtbag. So I did not participate in the beauty pageant that was happening around me. Um, you know, so. And uh, at Juilliard, you guys often work in, in conjunction with the playwriting department. Were there any. That was also, we were before that as well. Oh, uh, that didn't. Yeah. So I mean, well, I say that, I take it back because my, one of the greatest experiences I had at Juilliard was my. Last year, my fourth year, Tony Kushner gave us Angels in America to do while they were doing it on Broadway, while he was doing it on Broadway in George C. Wolfe's production. Yeah. So we were doing it in tandem and Tony would come to school and give us new sort of passages to work on yeah. for our production to sort of just tinker and then he'd take them uptown or, you know, across <laughs> downtown <laughs> um, for for the Broadway show. So 
So we did work with Tony and that was awesome. Yeah, I, I went to NYU and Oscar Eustace was my teacher. So he would oh. come in and like flex. Like, oh, that's my friend Tony. Yes. Totally. Oh, you mean Tony Kushner? <laughs> but then I'm, yes. I'm curious because you said you did one play in high school and it was not a good experience. How did you go from that to being like, I'm sure you had thousands of scenes. I think you guys do a minimum of two productions each year. Mm-hmm. And so what was that like, like going from having one play under your belt to like, you know, getting starring roles and in, in, in juicy material? Was that something you really responded to? Um, yeah. Yeah. I was, uh, I was really fascinated by what I was learning. You know, it was, it was all new to me and it was all uh, really interesting. And I, I really enjoyed it. And then when I was there, uh, the head of the program was this gentleman named Michael Langham, who was uh, a brilliant man and became my mentor. He sort of picked me from my class and we would do uh, one-on-one sessions on a regular basis up in his office on text. And uh, it was like, you know, sitting with Milton yeah. <laughs> his mind was just Ron Van Lue awesome. or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. Just, yeah. I mean, his understanding of verse was—I uh, can't put it into words—and he just gave me all of this knowledge. He just shared it, and I don't know why well, he, he picked me. He saw I mean, what I idea. see. <laughs> Your greatness. <laughs> but it was—it uh, was—it was life-changing. And um, then he gave me my first job when I finished school, I went straight to Stratford with him and he cast me as Isabella in Measure for Measure yes. in my first job. Um, yeah. And that was amazing. Talk to me about fourth year, Elizabeth, you know, going into this literally probably the most prestigious and hard to get into showcase in the world. Where was your head at? And like, what were you, you know, cause I know that obviously a TV landscape is, insane now but that didn't exist then what was your approach were you wanting to do film and tv or were you like theater no. calling? theater it, it, it was funny i mean i am not a good example of that process at all because i had been i got signed with an agent my third year oh. although i don't know why they even signed me because i didn't even work like i didn't even were you auditioning at least though? no like I, a couple of things but i didn't want like i was like i'm not leaving school yeah. I'm not, but they just kind of wanted to retain me, I guess. So yeah. when I did, so when we had our showcase, I didn't care because I already had an agent. Yeah. So it was irrelevant to me. And I found it so hateful because it was like, we're just making commercials for ourselves. We're not working. We're not digging into anything. We're not being creative. We're just selling ourselves as a product. And I hated it. So I really, like, I think I did... <laughs> I can't even remember what I did, but they were two like totally inappropriate showcases <laughs> that did not like do anything. When I auditioned like, for Juilliard, I rapped because I yeah. thought it would be thinking out of the box. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> there you go. Oscar Wilde didn't get me in. <laughs> yeah, I think I think I did like I think I played Hamlet and like Cowboy Mouth or something. Did not help my scene partners, but anyway. Yeah. So that, that whole thing, I didn't, I didn't care. And also because I'd been working so much with Michael and he and I were having very long conversations about leaving the program and what 
would come next. And he was very frank with me. And he said, if you want to be a theater actor, you, when you leave the school, you have to spend five years on stage because it takes five years to holistically integrate all the technique that you've been shoved full up for four years. And that's just the nature of it. He's like, but you don't have to. If you want to be a theater actor, you have to stay on stage for five years. Yeah. But don't, you don't have to, or you can go and, you know, work in film and television. It's up to you. And I felt very clear because also at that time, you could rent an apartment out of the back of the village voice. You could like, you could hustle. You And so what I did was I worked in the theater for five years and I, I always was rehearsing something while performing something. I would just roll from one play to another. I worked regionally a lot, you know, I, and, but when I was in New York, I was always doing one show right into another, yeah. but I could always make rent. I could, you know, hustle enough for groceries. You could live on a theater salary. Yeah. I and I didn't have a family then. So I just mm-hmm. about, like you could get a room in the Lower East Side for $500. Yeah. That New York yeah. is gone. Yeah, you know? it is. Yeah. It is. It's true. So, so it was, a, it was a time where I, I was able to make a commitment to the theater. I wanted to, and I, and conditions were such that I could. And I'm eternally grateful that I did. Yeah, that's amazing. And then talk to me about this five years. Did you like literally only do theater for five years? Yeah, I did a couple of little TV gigs just to make some extra cash here and there. Like but I was... SR. Yeah, like, yeah, like showing up on Law and Order oh, per day, you know. Right yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I, I did some weird like HBO comedy you know, just little gigs just to, to make rent a little easier, but I was always in a play. Yeah. So then what would you say, you know, cause I, I, I saw, I mean, I've seen so much of your television work. When did the switch happen for you that you're like, cause I know you still do Broadway on occasion and when you, or maybe when you ever you can in your busy schedule, but when did the switch happen that like, okay, I, I really want to focus on, you know, reoccurring or, or series regular, or what, did it just happen organically? No, no. Uh, I, I had uh, ignored it, um, avoided it. And then in my, like, I guess around 30, when I turned 30 ish, uh, I was like, okay, now I want to make money. <laughs> and it was very clear. Like I, I just, I wanted money. I wanted to make money and I wanted to learn about camera. Um, because I was really ignorant about camera and I'm a visual person. So and I wanted to understand don't do a good job. Of- no, when I was a Juilliard, yeah. there was, it was non-existent, non-existent. And I wanted to understand frame and composition and, you know, learn camera. So I, uh, for the, you know, I never went out for pilot season. I was just like, don't even think of sending me out for it. I won't do it. And I hated it. And then, Finally, I showed up and I was like, I'll do it. This year, I'll do it. I'll go to LA. I'll do whatever it takes. And I bought the clothes and I put on the makeup, which I was terrible about. Like I I made the commitment and uh, I got a series and ended up doing the series for four years. And it was uh, was in LA. Was this a CBS show? This was a CBS show, cop show called The District. And uh, and it was- Homicide Life on a Street. I did. Precursor I did. to the wire. Like, that's right. Simon. 
<laughs> that's right. That's yeah. right. So yeah, I started engaging in television and, and this, this, you know, it was Terry George, his show who was, you know, and Jim Sheridan was always hanging around. So I was in with these crazy Irish filmmakers, which was really interesting. And doing this cop show in LA where I was like number 12 on the call sheet. So I just had to show up every day in my little cop outfit and sit at my desk and just like was a human prop most of the time. But the awesome thing was, is I got to know the DP really well. And I would just sit behind that monitor and hang with the crew. And I learned, I learned camera during that four-year period. I really like absorbed so much information to understand what is happening in the frame. Because as actors, you know, it's so, so often, and not always, but a lot of actors don't tune into the frame that they're performing in. They're so involved in what's organically happening emotionally that they don't, tune into the fact that it's a visual medium yeah. and that the only thing that matters is what the frame is. Yeah. Like an establishing wide, you, you cry on that. It doesn't matter. You know, <laughs> sure doesn't. Yeah. Sure doesn't. But also what, what you want to be doing with your body yeah. in space or not, you know, it's, it's really important to understand the composition of a shot. I know you were working, but I know LA can be, frustrating, traumatizing, and, and, and superficial, to say the least. How was it adjusting to that lifestyle? You know, I, LA has always been really kind to me. Yeah. Um, it was- I it love was, LA too. I don't mean to sound- No, no, no. I get it. I get it. Yeah. I think because I was working, it, the only time I've ever gone to LA in my life is to work or to do you know, some press thing. I've never gone to hustle for work, which must be so awful. Yeah. <laughs> I can't imagine. But, but I've, so I've only been there working. When the work. And, yep. And yeah. so, and that's, that's lovely. It's lovely to be there when you're working. It's, yeah. it's beautiful. The beaches are great. People are nice. You know, it's great. Well, you're not one of those servers at Starbucks. Like, oh, can you take my headshot? You know? Seriously, which yeah. must just be brutal. I, I, I did it for six months and I was like, I am getting out of here. Yeah. And I'll come back. My best, one of, one of my best friends is an actor named Shay Wiggum. You know? You, of course. And yes. Shay's like, That's dude, awesome. come back out here when the work brings you out here. And I'm That's like, right. you're right. Yeah. So then, yeah. you know, I'm kind of probably skipping a few years, but... I know you did other co-stars and reoccurring, but like, yeah. talk to me about Burn After Reading. That that was kind of the first major movie you did, right? Yeah, I think that is right. <laughs> it's so I don't I don't think of I'm it, sure it all, like yeah, it does. It all it's all one painting, yeah. you know. So, um, but it was uh, that was a really interesting process because the Coens they're they're just they're. So wonderful, obviously. And they loved you because you did True Grit. Obviously. I, I did, and, and I did two of Ethan's plays as well. Um, I did plays. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. He's a wonderful playwright. Um, he's just a wonderful writer yeah. and, uh, you know, and became a friend over time. Um, but, you know, it's funny when you work for them because, you know, in what we do and in everything, there's always an asshole. And, you know, there just doesn't need to be. And it makes such a big difference when there isn't. And those guys are great at betting. 
they they do a deep background check before they hire somebody. And so, yeah, yeah. And so, you know, they they checked me out. And uh, fortunately, I had a, a, a good background. So yeah. they hired under, me. Under theater credits. That's right. Yeah. So they hired me. And, and it was so cool. I mean, I remember my first day on set, uh, I was in my trailer changing and Fran, you know, came in and gave me a big hug and welcomed me to sad and like I think she brought me cookies like she's just the, she was so dear and lovely and kind and and, and Brad Pitt I mean yeah what, yeah what I didn't deal, like? I didn't deal with him he and I never crossed yeah. George Clooney was my husband so I was with George and then this uh, is cool. You <laughs> cool and he was so lovely he was awesome yeah um and Tilda Swinton was with us who love Tilda is oh I, I'm I'm a, just a, an acolyte of of hers. Um, so anyway, uh, it was great, and you know, working with those guys is so wonderful because when you get your sides for the day, you also get the storyboard, so everybody knows what the shots are. Oh, that's genius! Right? Yeah, that's yeah. like a Fancy requirement, that. right? Prerequisite yep. for every actor. You that's know? right. Yeah. So you know what the shots are, you know what they're going to look like, you know what the frames are, yeah. and everyone gets home by dinner. So it was wonderful. Wonderful. And it's so great because the two of them sit behind the monitor. Ethan usually has a guitar and they sit there and they watch. And if you see them doing this, <laughs> you know, you've had a good take. Um, you know, they don't, they don't overthink it. They don't uh, overdirect it. Joel's usually the one, Joel is the one that talks to the actors, really. Um, but, you know, they they take so much time before they hire you yeah. that when you're there, they kind of assume that you know what you're doing. Totally. And was it fun going from like a Coen Brothers comedy to like a Coen Brothers drama? You know? Oh, yeah. I bet that must have been, where, you know, do they... I don't want to say differently, but do they have a different approach depending on the material? No. Wow. No, I can't say that they, you know, I, I think it's, it's all one. It's uh, maybe sort of, you know, there are tonal shifts, but yeah. the work is approached the same way. Well, I think, you know, for those listening last night was the train wreck that was the presidential debate <laughs> and all i could think it of- wasn't a debate man it was just, it was just tv yeah that wasn't a debate oh, God, i didn't watch it honestly i made it an hour before i cut it off in in full honesty i did not watch we have a son who has just started high school and it's a big step so there was a lot of homework to be tended to so because oh, you, you guys are teachers right now well, sort of, he's <laughs> yeah. actually, he's very self-contained. There was just some organizational stuff that needed to happen. And it was a great excuse to not engage in the bad television show. Well, if it's okay, I'd like to talk to you about, you know, for a while there, you know, I, I couldn't help last night, but thinking like, what would Heather Dunbar, Elizabeth Keene <laughs> do? You're also, you're also <laughs> in the most famous scene of the newsroom, you know, where, where he gives that speech. Uh-huh. So talk to me about like these series of characters that are these, you know, like you, I, people are saying now, like we need more strong, powerful women. Like you paved that path. <laughs> I, I mean, I, 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 I didn't. Well, Ferraro, Shirley Chisholm, you know, there are women to pave that path. I just 
play it on TV, you know? You do, so I guess what I mean is you do it so beautifully and it's- Well, thank you. And, and, and I do believe, you know, I do believe in the, if you can see it, you can be it theory. Yeah. You know? And so I am, I am proud and grateful that I've had the opportunity to represent women in politics in, a, yeah. in an intelligent way. Um, well, let's start with the newsroom. What was it like being in the scene that's like, I think it's one of the m- most viewed scenes on YouTube? <laughs> <laughs> Especially like, I'm sure the darker it gets with Trump, it's just people go back to that, you know? Sure. Yeah. That's, it's funny. You know, you never know what it is when you're in it, when you're making it. Yeah. It's only afterwards that you can look back and go, oh, that was something. Yeah. You know, when you're making it, you're just working. Yeah. So yeah. that day we were all just you, Jason Butler, Honor, and and yeah, right, and and David. Um, my gosh, his name just went through my the the debate monitor who was a oh, famous okay. director. Um, anyway, but yes, Jeff was needing all of our hands to hold to get through the fucking monster <laughs> speech. <laughs> but he's so lovely. He was great. It was great. Um, it was a really fun day. And but, but you know, we were just working. This was like 2011. And mm-hmm. one of my other closest friends is, is we met, you know, how you were saying, like Michael Stuhlberg. My freshman year of drama school was Rachel Brosnahan. And I'll oh, never forget when she's she... She's such a lovely lady. Oh, she called me to go to dinner to, like, catch up. And I was like, let's do it. And she was like, there's this show then Netflix is doing. I was like, what? The, the fucking DVD company? And she's like, yeah, they're, they're doing content. It's weird. Um, but uh, they, they want me to do the show with like Kevin Spacey, Bo Williman, and, and David Fincher's directing. So what was it like living in that world? You know, because I, I think for one season you're on, Bo wrote, but then he left, right? That's right. Yeah. 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 Talk to me about Heather Dunbar. It was, uh, you know, I was jumping on a moving train on that show. Yeah. Um, but uh, it was it was super fun. Um, Issa Davis was my chief of staff, and so she was great to be with. Uh, Mahershala before he, you know, the canon thing happened. Totally. That was he was he was off by the time I came on. Oh, he was. Okay. I think he was. I think he was. You know, I never watch what I do, so oh, I can't, I, I, I'm not a reliable yeah. narrator. You get you get sick too, like me. I just, uh, you know, I just feel like it's not my business. I've yeah. I've made the thing, and then it's out of my control, totally. and it goes to other people. So it's it's pretty. My husband and I are constantly like seeing each other on planes in movies. Like, <laughs> oh my god, you were in that. Hey, Joker totally was on my JetBlue flight. <laughs> there you go. Exactly. It's hilarious. Yeah. We forget. We go to see movies and one of us will appear and we'll be like, "Oh shit. We were in this movie." Um, you know, we 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 love doing what we do. We do our job and then what happens is not our business really. Yeah. Well, I'm curious at that point, I imagine you had choices of like what you what was interesting to you. You went back and did a a, a Broadway play, didn't you? Yes, I'm trying to think what I did between. I'm I'm always sort of hopping, moving between theater and film and television. So yeah. I I don't remember what I'm sure I did. What did I do? 
I guess my question is like, what, what was interesting to Elizabeth, the artist at that point, you know, because you, you had these series, regular credits, these huge movie credits, you know, at that point, I'm sure you maybe not complete autonomy, but a little more like, this is what I'm interested in. What was, what was appealing to you? No, honestly, man, there is no master plan. I do not sort of sit back and, and reflect on what is interesting. I just go where, someone asked me to, I go with what's in front of me. Um, I have just been really fucking lucky that, that what's in front of me is usually really smart people with really smart projects and interesting roles. I'm just lucky, but it's not because I have, you know, some plan or something I'm trying to achieve. I just sort of go where I'm asked to go. You like to work. I like to work. Yeah. Yeah. And I like the work I get to do. I yeah. feel really fortunate that what I'm asked to do, I'm interested in. Totally. Well, then let's, you know, let's move to another president. When Elizabeth Keene got created, that character. <laughs> uh-huh. you know, the thing that I love about you and the reason that I, you know, I, I, this is a reoccurring theme on this podcast, the separation between good acting and great acting where good actors won't name them, but, you know, they can make a living playing their personality. And then the greats make such nuanced and defined choices. And you've done this like three or four times now where you've come into a show that's already established with stars. And then I say this with love, like you steal the show. I'm like, you know, like it, it's a coup. I'm like, this is so, it's so hard to achieve that in television. Uh, thank you. Well, I mean... Uh, I don't know with, with Homeland, it was, it was so interesting. Cause I remember when I went to read for producers, yeah. um, it was, a, it was, well, it, wasn't an, it wasn't an offer. Nope. Wow. Nope. They made me dance for that part. Yeah. <laughs> they made me dance and I almost didn't. I was like, come on now. Yeah, just, come on now. <laughs> but I, I sucked it up and put on the makeup and had the meeting. And it was interesting though, because it was me and two other men who are well-known actors. Um, so it was not gender centric. Yeah. It wasn't because. I had Morgan Spector on the show and oh, and I, I grew up in Richmond, Virginia. I know uh-huh. you guys did a season there. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Totally. Yeah. Um, he's a lovely actor. He's awesome. Um, so it, it, I say that insofar as just to say it was not uh a version of Hillary Clinton. It was yeah. just about the president, you know, whatever person was going to be the president. It wasn't. I'm big- glad to hear you say that. Cause I think a lot of people assumed that was what they were trying to do, but I didn't yeah. see that. They weren't. Yeah. They were really just trying to find the right energy of a person, yeah. not gender. Uh, and it was a really interesting time to play that role. I remember like, a couple of days after the election, I was on set with Martha Raddatz. Do you know who she is? She's very, very famous uh, network journalist, uh, 60 Minutes. You know, she's, sure, she's one of those, yeah. you'd know her. And she's been around a long time and she's covered fucking everything. She's been in the field. She, she's amazing. And we were doing a scene where it was like, you know, the president was being interviewed by Martha Raddatz. It was a very meta kind of 
deal. She was playing herself doing a 60 minutes interview. Oh, I remember that now. And uh, it was such a mind fuck because the election had just happened. And we were like, what, what, what is, what's happening? And so living in that territory at that moment in history was very interesting. And, and it was really hard to stay with Keen. Uh, I had to be really rigorous with myself because people so badly wanted a hero at that moment. They really wanted a hero. And that was not the story we were telling. It was a, a much more complicated person. It, it, it a human story. People are flawed. They make mistakes. And then you yeah. come back around. And, you know, I think that, sorry, spoiler alert, but that, that scene where, you know, you, you get reinstated uh, and then you decide to leave, I, I, I just thought it made me cry. I was like, God, I, are we ever going to live in a world where we have a president that's honorable? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, that was a really interesting process. And I don't think Alex Ganza will mind me talking about it, but I really went to the mat over that. Cause I was like, if I was a man, would you have me resign? Is it cause I'm a woman that you're writing that I resign? Oh. Uh, cause I really thought back about it. I was yeah. like, is this the story we want to tell at this moment? And what is motivating this story that we're telling? Yeah. And it felt just to me initially, it, I, I needed more examination of that. Yeah. And, and then, and also in my initial resignation that they wrote, there was no mention of gender. And I said, there is no way <laughs> that the first female president is going to resign and leave gender unaddressed. That just offends. That's reductive. Yeah. And we really went to the mat about it. We went to the mat. And I don't fight with writers ever. My, I feel my job is to take what is written and, and make that happen. Yeah. I, I really honor writers. Uh, and I take it really seriously. Uh, so when I do put on the brakes, it's, you know, it's very rare. But this was one time that I did and we, we didn't, so we, he just, I just kept going to his office and we just kept hashing it out. But he, he did end up writing something that I thought was fantastic. Yeah, it really was. That's amazing. And then, you know, after that ended, I imagine you probably never want to play a president again. (laughs) (laughs) Well, now I play a demon. So, you know, and as it sounds like from the debates last night, that's exactly right president to demon <laughs> they're all kind of in the same universe now some fucking hell. so true mm. well i'm curious you know for the actors listening out there what do you think makes for a great audition oh boy i'll tell you uh, uh, who fucking knows it's, yeah. i mean jesus christ who fucking knows yeah. um but Sorry, I know that's a loaded question. I didn't. No, 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 not at all. It's an important question. Yeah. It's it's what we do. Uh, I I now you know I'm 50 and I've been doing this a long time, so I don't really audition anymore. Yeah. But but I have for decades. Yeah. So what I always did is the same thing I always do when I'm working, especially when I'm doing a play. But same on set. I give myself a task. I give myself something that I want to work on while I'm working and it's very specific, something that I'm pursuing. So an audition is just a period for me to do some work and other people are watching it. So it, that's, that's how I treat an audition is an opportunity to take a little 
technical thing that I want to tinker with and work on it. Yeah. What, and, and, and now, you know, in this, I mean, it's, it's only exponentially gotten crazier with, you know, like there's a Pret coffee. I mean, I'm sure they're going to do content soon. You know, everyone's doing it, <laughs> you know, in this kind of like multi-saturated environment, what has been interesting to you as Elizabeth, the artist, actress? That you- well, I, I'll tell you uh, several things. Um, I do feel like we're in the midst of a massive and radical paradigm shift. I do feel like when this great pause ends, uh, we will not return to where we were before it. I feel like everything is shifting and is going to be very different a year from now, including content. I think content has gotten very artisanal and that's going to stop. Um, I think... Uh, what performance means is going to transform. I don't know into what, but I feel like we're in the midst of a great transformation in all ways. And we can't really see what it is yet. Um, I find that frightening and really exciting and absolutely necessary. Uh, I feel much more serious about finding ways to be of service in my work uh, which has always been important, but not primary. Uh, and now it feels much more central. Um, I think something that is really important to me in the theater, which I, the a drum I've been beating for a while is, you know, I want to play Hickey in Iceman Cometh. I want to play Willie Loman. Yeah. And there's no reason why I shouldn't because the stage oh, is a great Willie Loman. I think I would, yeah. um, but it's, you know, I'll the be stage, happy. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. We got it. Half the show. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the stage is a, is a magic space and you are whatever you say you are. So why the fuck are we still doing television on stage? I don't understand it. Uh, I don't know why we're stuck in it. And, um, but I do feel like that's going to transform as well. Oh, and then, you know, the other thing too is now... I can be a little more thoughtful about what, you know, your question, what is interesting to me, what, and it's really uh, artists, you know, there are artists that I'm interested in being in conversation with um, that I want to engage with. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm definitely like one, one, well, there are so many filmmakers that are really interesting to me that are doing. Can can you, can you mention anything that's next for you that, you know, maybe isn't on IMDb or if not, it's cool, you know? Uh, well, yeah, I mean, there, there's always, yes, there are things that I'm working on that, you know, this, the crazy Hulu series I completed yeah. and that's coming out and that may or may not have a future life. We'll see. Oh, okay. um, yeah. And then this movie that I did with Paul Greengrass called News of the World is coming out. This oh. is uh, this is a film that Paul made uh, with Tom Hanks, and it's set uh, just post Civil War. Oh, it's, it's a beautiful movie. It's awesome, and it was awesome making it. And how was working with Tom? Oh, it was terrible. <laughs> Yeah, Just I've heard it. terrible. I've heard he's one of those people that wouldn't pass Joel and Ethan. Oh my <laughs> God, never. No, he, you know, he's, he's everything that everyone says. He's so professional and lovely and truly, truly treats everyone equally. Like truly treats everyone equally, shows up on time, knows his work. 
and, you know, has awesome stories when you're having your coffee break. He's just lovely. He's fantastic. I could, I would work with him forever. I'd go into the trenches with that guy. He's awesome. That's amazing. Well, mm. you know, my, my father's a doctor here in New York and, but he told me something scary today that I think we were, we've been at 1% and we jumped up to 4%. So if this resurgence happens, do you think, you know, this pause on content being able to be made will continue? Yes, I do. I mean, it's interesting when we were, we came to this farm in Vermont to pause and um, we were contacted by this production company uh, called Maven Films, who's Trudy Styler. Anyway, um, they contacted uh, a group of people and what they did was they sent us equipment to make a short film. And they asked us to write a, write a proposal. And if they liked it, they would hire us to make a short film. And they, they were making, and they did like it. So we, they sent us all this equipment and then they put us in touch with the DP virtually and an editor virtually and a sound person virtually. And we shot a movie. <laughs> My little family, my husband and son and I made a movie. No way. Way. So does he have the bug, your son? Uh no, he loves Shakespeare. Oh, he's got the bug. He loves and <laughs> you know, you you talked about Oscar Eustace. He's sort of his mentor. Oh so they sit and read Shakespeare a lot together. Wait, have they been uh no, I was gonna say that's couldn't have been his TA because he would have been like ten then. No, no, no. Yeah, they're just yeah. they're just friends through me, you know, when I did Caesar with Oscar, Cy was around a lot, and then they just became friends. So, so that was great. Yeah. Well, final question for you. You know, in in these kind of bleak times, and you know, a lot of actors that don't have that agent, don't have that manager, don't have any credits or under fives yet, and you know, are kind of really struggling. Any words of advice or words of wisdom you would give to? say a young Elizabeth that's wide-eyed, you know? Well, I remember when I, I I don't know if this is helpful because we are, you know, off the map. We're in a time that has never happened before. So, you know, I, the most important thing is people just take care of themselves, tend to their mental health, try not to isolate too much to the best of their ability. That's the most fundamental uh, engage in civic uh, action as much as they can safely vote. Um, but as far as the arts, uh, I remember when I was a second year student at Juilliard, um, I had this idea about the three sisters that I was just chewing on. And I do this, I, I read a text and I find something that uh, I don't ever see explored and I chew on it and chew on it. Um, And I was doing that with three sisters. And uh, I went to New York Theater Workshop, who I had no relationship with. I was a second year schmo. My favorite theater. Yeah, mine too. They're my home. Yeah. Yeah. And I I got in to see the artistic director, who was Jim Nicola, who didn't know me. But I was like, I'm a student and I want to talk to the, this theater <laughs> and I have a right. Yeah. And he agreed. And I, I told him my idea and he was like, that's very interesting. I'm going to let you use a little space. So he gave me a little room. And then I weaseled a bu- like 
uh, Andre Gregory and Mark Wing Davey and like uh, Cherry Jones and Mary Schultz. I like wrangled these people's phone numbers. Um, I just hustled. And then I called and got them and pitched them my idea. Anyway, long story short, these people ended up doing a day with me working on this play because everybody responds to a good idea. It doesn't matter where it comes from. It doesn't matter who you are. If it's a good idea, people will respond. So, so don't be afraid of, of the, the depth of your idea. Like really what is uniquely you is what will succeed. What is unique to you? What is unique to your thinking is what will prevail. So beautiful. I could cry. Um, <laughs> actor. Uh, but <laughs> Elizabeth Marvel, I got so much love and admiration and respect for you. You're Thanks, one of the yeah. finest. And I hope that when this uh, chaos descends and, you know, the near future, you, you, Bill, and I can grab a cup of coffee sometime. That would be I, great. I can be that kid picking your brain. You but, uh, <laughs> That would be but, great. We'll meet up in Brooklyn. Yeah. Have some coffee. Yeah. Take some mushroom. I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, seriously, thank you for coming on. It means the world to me. And thank My you pleasure. for giving back to, to all the people listening. And, and I appreciate your sincerity. And, and, and thank you for inspiring me. You know, I, I, you saved my life. And I mean that. And that's the power of great artists. Well, thanks, man. You saved your life. But thank you. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm happy that I was useful. You were. And uh, I got so much love for you. And, and let's do this again soon. Next project. Awesome. All right. You bet. So much love, Elizabeth. Thank you. All right. Stay All right. safe. You too. If you like the show, rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you for listening.